Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Jason Pilar is a rugby guy, or at least that's how he started. He was a two-time captain, a three-time all-conference selection, team MVP, and two-time all-Midwest regional pick as a collegiate player at Purdue University. I first met him at Northwestern University just off the coast of Lake Michigan, where he worked with countless athletes over the course of 18 seasons, uh, brought kids to All-American, All-Big Ten caliber competition, sent a few people off to play in the pros, and of course, helped teams win a number of championships. Anyway, what stood out about him for me was not the clear history of success that he had accomplished alongside his staff, but just the kind of person he was. He was actually a psych minor in undergrad, and and it's just so clear that this is a thoughtful educator working in the strength and conditioning space that my staff and I were just immediately drawn to him. Anyway, fast forward to this summer, Jason is now back at his alma mater at Purdue University, and I mean, it seems to be up and running in a very real and productive way. He's now the director of strength and conditioning over there. He has been since August 2019. COVID's been strange, but I mean, he's got the Boilermakers on the right path. That much is very clear. So I had the great fortune of sitting down with him in West Lafayette. I learned a lot and I'm happy to share it with you. So without further ado, here's this week's podcast with friend, leader in the space, and unquestionably someone who goes beyond strength to teach lessons that last a lifetime, Jason Pallara. I'm a, I'm a Purdue grad, so it's we're Love studying it. at Purdue University. Graduated from here. There's uh, boilermakers all over the place right, right now. It's <laughs> great. The black, you know, black and old gold is, you know, it's in our blood. So, um, so 20 years ago, I, uh, I left this campus, and now I'm back. It's uh, amazing. And, and in that time span, um, I went directly to Northwestern, uh, did an internship there uh, under Tommy Christian, who's you know, been a friend and mentor since, um, yeah. along with Larry Loja and, and some really great people. Um, fortunately for me, after my internship year, Tommy left. Hmm. Fortunately, slash not, because right. You know, but uh, he left along with you know the rest of the staff besides Larry. So create a lot of openings, mm-hmm. and um, I think in that year I created a lot of trust and value um, to to Coach Loja and. and he, he rewarded me with the job, yeah, um, yeah. so I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, you know, I, I look back on that, and I don't know if that would happen in this day and age. You mm. know, um, you know, to to have only one year of experience and get a you know assistant director job. And yeah, I just sometimes feel bad for the current uh, up and covers because it just takes a little bit more. But anyways, right. um, so, where, did, where did Tommy go by the way at that so time? He, Tommy's yeah. great by the yeah. way. He's been on the podcast. Yeah. He's a friend. He's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, so he went right into his own business. That's when TC Boost started. TC Boost started. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it took him a few years to kind of get it really up and running, but it's thriving now. And yeah. he's, he's tremendous doing that way he does. Yeah. Yeah. Just like. Very cool. Great but person. Great. Great you know strength coach like just really yeah checks a lot of boxes yeah great exactly. great beard for great beard look at, yeah very good at making barbecue like that's he's right been a mentor for me in that aspect too in, so. in the barbecue yeah, world yeah, i love exactly. it that's good um so yeah so you know got that job as an assistant director and then um and then just kind of tried to develop my craft there like i, I was i didn't know a lot you yeah. know i only right, really had right. one year of you know, hands-on experience. So I never felt confident enough to um, 
you know, put my name out there for other opportunities uh, hmm. until, you know, I was, until, yeah, quite a few years. Like, I almost felt like a fake <laughs> those first few years. Wow, yeah. You know, um, and that I really needed to, to develop a lot before um, I even thought of the opportunity of, of doing something else or, some, you know, doing it, doing it somewhere else. So, um, so I think it was almost a blessing because it, it kept me there for a while. And then... Um, and then, you know, so was fortunate to work my way up at Northwestern, went from assistant director to an associate director. And then, um, and then, you know, opportunity arise where we split the department between football and Olympic sports. And, mm-hmm. and I was able to move into a, a director of Olympic sports position, which, you know, I, I don't know if I thought that would have been in my future. Like at, when I first started, like that wasn't really a thing. It was like, yeah, football. You're the director of football. That kind of oversaw everything. So, know? so Larry would would technically have a hand in every sport. Everything. Wow, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's really kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, if you, if you do the comparison. So, when I started, uh, Larry Lilja oversaw football and every other sport at Northwestern, and he had a staff of three other full time professionals. Right? Wow. And here at Purdue, and you know that's so that's two thousand one. Here at Purdue, Purdue in twenty twenty one. Football has a director and four assistants just for just football. Just for football, right. Right. That's amazing. And then yeah. Olympic sports, uh, you know, we have a director and nine assistants. or Nine. nine yeah. So we have 15 strength coaches for, you know, our 18 teams. Um, and That's incredible. At Northwestern, we had four strength coaches for 23 teams. Okay. So yeah. I can't I can't just so, let that slide. Yeah. 20 years. What's the change? Like, uh, I mean, um, I think... The biggest change I think I've seen is just the access to knowledge. Yeah. And, and um, you know, when you were trying to learn new things, uh, when I first started, you know, you were going to journals and mm-hmm. calling friends and um, going to books, where now it's obviously everything's out there uh, on social media. Right. And, you know, so the challenges, I think, are slightly different. Before, it was access to knowledge. Now it's um, disseminating what is out there, right? Hmm. What is what's fact, what's fiction, yeah, right? Right, right. So people are putting a lot of stuff out there, but like, is it good stuff or is it bad stuff? And and you have to be able to be um, discerning about what you choose to follow. That's and, right. And I yeah. think that's where you know some people might fall into a trap, you know, where yeah. like they they may follow um, or go go down a path that may not be full of a lot of good solid you know i don't want to say sci- scientifically based but at least scientifically driven sure you know, so that's a good way to look know, at it yeah yeah um you know i think there's always some experimenting done in our field and right i don't think you need a full published article and peer review to make it fact and effective to know that it works right um but you know i think there should be some understanding of why it's working um before you you know fully jump in with it Okay, this is, I'm so intrigued by this. So essentially discerning, like it's a different challenge now. You're trying to discern what's good, you know, what's legit, what's scientifically driven. Um, and then, oh man, what a skill that is. Yeah. You know, that's like, which is, I, I don't know how, you know, the, the, the person who's just in love with the barbell might not be immediately comfortable with that. That's not, I don't hope that's not unfair to say. But no, I, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's unfair. I think... In general, like it's your up and coming strength coach, right? Where right. they have a, 
seen as much. So like everything might look shiny and new sure. and great. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. And 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 if they're taking on everything then they might go down a right. path where it's like, Wow, this guy's getting a lot of great results and maybe it's results or maybe it's just Steroids. Once again, yeah, or or <laughs> yeah. it's, um, or it's just what they're showing. It's the one yeah. percent that they are having an impact, where the ninety nine percent right might be struggling with it. Or exactly. you know, program, right. So like social media doesn't show all the fails, right? It shows all the successes, and so um, mm. it's easy to think that everything works because that's what you're seeing. You're right. Se- you're seeing the good stuff. You're not seeing right every time a kid fell on their face. That's right. Know? That's right. Yeah. That's so right. And then and then I would and then the other part obviously we won't have to go into it too much, but I, I would love our conversation turn this way is the, the then the implementation of the strategies that feel sound to you. Like those are those are almost two different skill sets. It's almost like uh, trying to discern what sort of research is best, mm-hmm. uh, developing a plan around it, and then level you know, next step, um, solid implementation, and then maybe level three like being in tune with the feedback that, that informs yeah. those first two. Yeah. So it's the scientific method. Right? Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Pretty it's much. gotta like, be, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think, and just knowing what you're capable of implementing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's oh, yeah. that piece of it too. Right. Like you see a lot of really cool stuff. It's like that, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but what am I actually capable of implementing? Can I use force plates? on a daily basis right do I have the time and the um, I guess you know the athletes and coaches buy in to do this on a, on a daily right. basis right so I think it's having a, a good understanding of um, what is capable in your setting yeah and, and if it's gonna be effective you know would you call that self-awareness yeah, yeah. I, I, well for sure I Part think self-awareness yeah. and just having um, you know a good understanding of your your situation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. obviously aware of yourself, but also aware of what all the players are in the situation. So yeah, the coach, the student athletes, athletic trainer, your training space, you know everything like sure. goes into goes into is a factor in the way you're able to do some of the things, right? Um, and and we're fortunate here at Purdue. Like we we have you know, we just walked around all these facilities, right? Beautiful. Yeah. Probably saw some of the biggest weight rooms you've seen. The biggest weight room I've ever seen. Yeah. And then there were two others. And there's two others, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they're all within 200 yards of each other, right? Yeah. And so like, um, you know, our resources here are tremendous, and they really are. And like talking about the staff, you know, we have a, a great staff that's more than capable of handling their workloads. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have a bit more freedom in um, what we can and, and want to sure. do compared right. to, you know, where I was 20 years ago when there was four of us for 23 teams, you know, right. I would have 60 athletes in the weight room at one time. It's like just you, just me with 60 right? so NCAA be, division one athletes. It would be the lacrosse team with, you know, the field hockey team or something like that. And it's just what fit in the schedule. And, you know, were they getting good training? I mean, I hope so, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't see everybody. Right, but I hope right. they, you know, and so um, it's just kind of a situation you're in. And yeah. where now it's like I have 15 athletes and a lot of times we work in small groups. So I have mm. four athletes at a time. Mm-hmm. So I see what they're doing and I could coach them at a much higher level. Um, but it's just understanding those different 
situations, right? So what are you capable of doing? And mm-hmm. so where we're at, I think our, our ceiling's pretty high, but, mm-hmm. you know, you go to um, maybe a D3 level where it's one strength coach for 20 teams again. Yeah, right, you know? right. You know, or high school, you know, high school's become... High schools, I think, are, are a great little area where like there's a lot of good growth happening yeah and some are doing it really well i think yeah you know, obviously like we've talked about stuff you guys are doing that's tremendous mm-hmm. and i think some of the schools around indianapolis are doing a lot of good stuff yeah it seems like it um, far at least yeah so like i hope there's more investment in that because there's there's that's an age group where you could really have a great impact i i agree i could yeah. not agree more uh i'm of the opinion that I think high school. I think strength conditioning at the high school level is approximately where, um, maybe where it was at the college level twenty years ago, yeah. or maybe the metaphor I use is um, where film study was about twenty years ago. Like we people were studying film, that you know some some high schools were got like really got ahead of their competition by by doing it and breaking it down well. But I mean, when I like I try to. I don't think I'm that old. I'm old-ish, I guess. But but when I like my very first year, I I was a volunteer football coach in my first year. I remember, you know, fast forward, rewind, VHS with a yellow notepad trying to figure this thing out, you know. And now advanced to like the the huddle breakdown, you know, the things that you can do. It's just taking such an enormous leap forward. Um, I think that's probably where high school strength conditioning is heading, and I hope it follows. I hope it happens as quickly as it's happened at the college yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. I think it's in meaningful. the next twenty years, like if we could get to that level, like, yeah, I, I would hope that it helps with, um, you know, just lifelong lessons too, right? Without like, a doubt. Like, that's it. When you start establishing those habits earlier on, um, you know, understanding the importance of you know living a life of you know. Being strong, right? <laughs> being fed, yeah, being, strong, healthy you know, life. Like, I think what the, there's maybe it's out of West Side, but like life's too short to be weak or something. Yeah, like that. I don't know. fair but enough. Still, right? Um, but understanding the value of yeah. you know good training and, and being mm-hmm. healthy and you know treating your body well. You know? Yeah, treating your body well. That's so interesting. Yeah. And and you kind of alluded to this already. I know we've talked about it before, but. Um, what else could be learned in that setting? Because I think at the high school level, again, we walked around some pretty incredible facilities. Yeah. We walked by some banners that said Big Ten champions, national champions, stuff like that. So there's the incentive is clear, and it's it can be measured in dollars. At the high yeah. school level, like, I, and we can talk about whether that's enough at the college level yeah. too, of course. But like, what what in your opinion? has to be done in the way and what else has to be taught so an appreciation for health and wellness that makes complete sense and then and then what else well i I mean i I mean my athletes probably get tired of me sometimes because you know i I do try to like correlate this to life sometimes i'm like i'll make them get on the ground get back up i'm like someday you're gonna thank me i saved your life because you're gonna fall and you know how to get back up off the ground right right? Right, (laughs) you know like And so that's a little cheesy, right? And it's a little obnoxious on my part at times. But like, um, I do think there's ways that you could correlate the weight room to life. Um, the kid that tells you you can't squat, it's like, how do you go to the bathroom? You ah, <laughs> like, yeah, you gotta squat every day, right? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So like, you know, so it's like these are these are motions, movements, stuff that you have to do to mm-hmm. function in life, right? And we're just trying to build your capacity in them. Right. And obviously we have 
hopefully loftier goals than you know carrying groceries inside and sitting down to to the toilet but mm-hmm. you know but like there, there's ways where it's like you know you say you can't do these things but you have to do them every day yeah so let's let's try to you know get past the it's heavy and it's hard and, right and, and embrace that a bit more and the fact that um it is part of your daily life. It's just a little bit more structured in here. That, <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. Um, I mean, who? What human being wouldn't benefit in some way from learning to move well? Yeah, like that, that feels fair enough. And, and just, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would guess most of us have gone through ebbs and flows in our lives where we're training more and training less, mm-hmm. and and you just feel better when, when you're training, right? And there's no question. And there's moments where you may overdo it and it's sore, and you're and regret some things but um you know i think just feeling um strong and feeling healthy um you know we know that the psychological effects of that as well too sure. and, and the positive um you know emotions that you feel and positive feedback you get when you can or are able to do things that you know you weren't able to do before because you've developed that strength or that understanding of how to move and accomplish yeah. a certain you know task I'm sure you've seen this, but one of the most rewarding things that I've been a part of in the weight room is watching that empowerment happen in real time yeah. over the course of a couple of years, potentially. But it's real. Yeah, and I and I would say most strength coaches might say this as well, but especially with a female athlete, watching a female athlete do their first pull up is like mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's one of the greatest moments, right? Yeah, yeah. Because and some some I shouldn't say all like that's a very big generalization. Um, but it, it tends to be a difficult movement for female athletes. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially now that I'm working with basketball athletes, they're long and that's a long, it's a long way up to that. Bar. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of um, sense of accomplishment when they get that one. Without, without question. And you know what occurs to me, because with, with our female athletes as well, it, you know, whatever, physiology aside, um, a lot of them come in saying things like, well, I can't, I can't do a pull-up. You know, my, my mom can't do a pull-up. Yeah. Girls can't do pull-ups, dude. That that might be like the single, in my setting, different here. But um, it's just, it, that that's the guiding factor to all of this. You mentioned, we were talking about um, your friend who moved over to the sales world. Yeah. Um, to have a mind, to come into a situation with a mindset colors the situation, period, end of story. You know what I mean? So like if you, you we walked the path before that the, Purdue football team walked. Yeah, yeah. If they're walking that path and they're worried about Ohio State, you know, of course that impacts the way that that game is going to go. Yeah. If you approach a pull-up bar and and it's just it just dug into your head that that I can't do this. This isn't something for me. This is for those guys down over there in the corner, or whatever. Um, of course that would impact the way that you perform. So what is one of the ways, maybe on the front end? that you kind of open the door for that sort of empowerment to take place. Yeah, so this is, I mean, you get into this kind of mindset conversation that we're very much into right now. And, um, you know, growth mindset, right? Carol yeah, Dweck, like, of course, yeah. Um, so in my mind, um, well, this is the quote I gave my my team before we started our summer training. And, um, you know, it's something that I saw years ago, but I love it, but it's like, your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your character. Mm. Your character becomes your destiny, right? Mm. So it starts with your thoughts. And um, and if you're thinking, I can't, and you're thinking, this is hard, 
then you know you that's you're going to express that and then that's going to kind of become your actions and mm-hmm. and you're going to go down a path that you know may not be what you want and mm-hmm. so um so i do think controlling your brain is a big piece of this and you know and um and that probably i'm stealing this from from uh dr dweck but like framing those situations that we're talking about like i can't do a pull-up and just adding yeah i can't do a pull-up right yet, yeah right and so i try to insert those words for my athletes mm-hmm. until they start inserting them for themselves right like you know we get that all the time like an athlete saying oh, i can't do that and i say yeah yeah I can't do that yeah yet. right and um and once again they probably think it's a little obnoxious and annoying that i, I consistently do it but like I think that message has to be consistent and, yeah. um, you know, sometimes consistency is boring, but consistency I, can be boring. That's true. And, but, and, and annoying. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that's what garners results. And so, no um, so I, I think that, um, it is a struggle, um, with all age groups, but mm-hmm. you know, when, when these kids are, and these young adults are coming here and they have a lot of expectations and and they've typically had a lot of success prior to that too right um when those worlds can flip you know collide and they start having less success or they're being asked to do more mm. um and maybe feel like they're not meeting their expectations or having the success that they've had in the past um it becomes difficult to stay positive and stay in that growth mindset of, no, yeah. I can still get better. Um, because a lot of times, you know, especially, I shouldn't say especially, um, you know, the basketball athletes we get, they've had a lot of success, you know, and they, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know how hard they've always had to work at it. Some have, oh, right. Some have had to work very hard. Sure. And, and some, you know, like they were in a position where, they were just taller than everybody else. And you right. could have a lot of success in high school basketball if you're, you know, very just tall. Bigger, yeah, yeah, biggest guy in the court. Yeah. Right. So um, so I think, you know, trying to really help them understand that they, they can get better and they can grow and, and that it does, in my in my belief, start in the mind. Yeah. Um, and, and if it's not there, it's going to be hard to really actualize you know without question without question okay so you make me think of a couple things one is first of all that is just the truth what you just said and uh it it feels like the weight room might be the perfect place to teach that sort of truth so we talk about things that would transfer to other areas if you had to go to i might put you on the spot and ask you this a little later but if, if you had to go to a different career what comes with you you know um growth mindset is like that's that's perfect and what i love about the weight room is that you've taken this concept and made it really quantifiable you know like we've done this um whatever you used to be able to squat 100 pounds now even if you now you can squat 125 is that oh it doesn't have to be a world record but that advancement is trackable and then is then we i think um do the job of reminding them that hey i was here to guide you uh but you did that and if you and if you and if you do that, then that empowerment that you were referring to is like it's it's a near absolute. It's no longer a question mark. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned basketball, man. I mean, if you just run up against Kentucky and they're loaded, 
than all the good work you do. Like you might just not have the opportunity to show it off that night. Yeah. Which can give sort of a strange feedback loop to like the work that you did. But in the weight room, if you if you come in and, and do it and you're really, you know, doing all the things that you and your staff recommend, then you'll see growth. You know, it it, it would be a total anomaly for that to not happen. Right. 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 So that's um, interesting. Yeah, I think. Um... Well, just and, and you know, I've been talking a lot uh, with our one of our sports psychologists. Actually, both of our sports psychologists, like on on how to um, uh, almost celebrate failure. Hmm. All right, um, and and this setting is is a great place to fail. Like it's pretty safe, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. I say pretty safe, right? It's heavyweights, right? I, like, I know what you mean. But, right. Be but, careful. But we have. And I said this to my team the other day. It's like, we have great equipment. We have everything in place that if you do fail, it's going to be done safely. Like, you drop the bar, the safety yeah. rack's going to catch it. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk away from it relatively unharmed. Right. Knock on wood, right? Right. Um, and and talking with our sports psychologist, Dr. Fol- Dr. Foltz and Dr. Dawson, like, you know, that's an area that um, we want to stretch our athletes and it's like mm-hmm. as I, I mentioned earlier like they've tend to have, they got in here they've they've had a lot of success yeah. right mm-hmm. um and and a lot of times like i said if they're the bigger athlete or better athlete they haven't failed a lot yeah and they get here and they start experiencing failures and it's, right. it's hard to deal with mm-hmm. sometimes right um and you know so if we can I'm gonna steal terms. Microdose that failure, right? Like, I like it. Yeah, you know, give them give them failures that they could come back from, rather than that um, terminal failure, right? Mm. Of like, mm. I failed at my sport, and, and because of that, I've lost my identity. Because I've always been a basketball player, but now I'm not a good basketball player. So now, mm. who am I, right? Yep. And so, um, so if we could give them the opportunity to fail in ways that they can bounce back from, like. All right, I'm not a great squatter, but that wasn't really my identity, um, and I know I could. Adjust, yeah, I know yeah, I could adjust. I know I could adjust my weight a little bit and be successful at squatting, or or whatever movement it is, you know. Um, and so, this this venue, this weight room, is is an opportunity to, you know, teach failure and be able to be resilient and bounce back from it. And yeah. like I said. You know, almost the point where we celebrate it sometimes. And, and, and it should be. Yeah. It should be celebrated. I'm, as you were saying that, I, I pulled up a quote. This is probably the, um, the most recognizable Samuel Beckett quote. Um, maybe you've heard the term fail better. Yeah. Uh, ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. It's, what, a, what, a, what a clean way to just say this is, that's not a problem. And, and uh, I was actually just listening to uh, Ray Dalio. Oh, yeah. Term uh, was his term for that was struggle well, and like one of his big key points to struggling well was just not looking at a failure as a fa- every every failure is is a learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now I will jump in as a, like sort of a strange stickler for language who who studied uh, writing at your previous location yeah. among other things. Um, I you have to name it a failure. For, to even put it in that pocket of your mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? Like, like, why is that a failure? Like, what's the intention of a squat? Is it is it to? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is it is it to challenge 
the movement with intensity? Is it to, you know, like strain the muscle fibers so that you encourage growth? Like, you know, what really is it? You know, not being able to go back up and maybe that's not a failure. You didn't get the concentric maybe component to this thing. Okay, let's find another way to do Like There's all sorts of workarounds there. So without getting too into the weeds of that, I'm pretty convinced that like I can't stay. I don't like, dude, I, I don't even like good and bad anymore. You know, I like ethical decision making, yeah. but I don't like putting this into the category of bad necessarily. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's so interesting. I, I like that. Um, you know, cause yeah, I'll say it's like good and bad. You, you talk about good and bad. It's like sometimes you could do the good, the, the right thing or good thing, but like, I don't know, I might be going down a, well, you could, how about this? You could be really good at stealing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's right. that's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, um, you know, it's kind of like the law. Like, you can follow laws by doing the right thing. You know, mm, like interesting. Um, yeah. You know, it's like I didn't break a law, but was what was I really looking out for the best interest of a fellow human being? And um, wow, you know, that's I, I, interesting. You know, yeah. And so like, uh, as you go down that moral path. It could be, it could be a struggle. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you a hard question in a okay. second. I'm okay. sorry, inspired by this because okay. that's so right, man. And and you talk about discerning the literature behind strength and conditioning. I think we're also tasked with being more discerning in our just general consumption of news these days. You know, which is aimed more at grabbing our attention and and being clickbait than it is actually informing us yeah. of the truth of, of any given matter. So I wonder if there's a difference between. Uh, being purpose driven and, and just being really good at following rules um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there but I have because I think my next place would sound almost like a critique but sometimes you got to do both and if the rules are good enough you know maybe they'll they'll move you toward your purpose and that's sort of like the ideal setting that's what we're all probably aiming for but I mentioned that uh, I just had the privilege of talking to a guy from the NCAA Dan Calandro wonderful guy I've known him for a long time he'll be on a podcast uh, may already be out by now if you're listening to this. Um, but his position was we make the rules, we follow the rules. And if we f- and if something happens over the course of a year that that means the rules need to be reevaluated, then we do. you know and, and it's and it's just this constant sort of cycle of of that. but I don't know that you're making me think about a lot of and see that like current know. events too. So to piggy off that, piggyback off that, as we were walking in, we took a, a picture by a John Wooden statue, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of John Wooden's things was, the more rules you have, the more rules you have to enforce. Wow, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm. um, you know, this is a struggle sometimes, right? Like, we want things to fit in a box, and we want a rule for everything, right? Like, yeah. you know, you break this rule, and this is the consequence, and, you know, this mm. where... Um, this is, you know, I think where sometimes my staff and maybe my athletes struggle is like, I don't like having a lot of rules because yeah. one, I have to enforce them all. Mm-hmm. But two, <laughs> I, I feel like you're taking, you're saying I don't trust you. Wow. You know, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and in certain situations you need rules, right? Sure. But um, I think if you're in a really dynamic team effort and you have the right people in place, yeah, that's key. You could probably get away with very few, very few rules, um, because if you 
if you have people that care about the person next to them, if you have uh, a goal and mission um, or process in place, then people are going to do the right things. You, mm. don't, you don't need to have rules, right? Yeah. Um, Interesting. And it's like, you know, we were talking earlier about kind of that superficial, like throw out an idea and it makes sense. But like that is that is deep, hard work mm-hmm. to kind of develop that kind of situation, right? Like, right. you know, that's that's not something that you say, this is this is what we're going to do and people go and do it, right? Right. You have to be incredibly diligent about the people that you surround yourself with mm-hmm. and, and do you have the control of all those people and, mm-hmm. and so um, that's yeah. so good it's it's challenging but like that's in my in my ideal brain in my utopia that's like right. what, what what this world should be like just and and you know I'll finish with this on, on this topic but like you know when I arrived here at Purdue um you know, my first staff meeting with, with my group, uh, you know, I kind of finished with like, I go, I, I like to keep it pretty simple, right? Like I was talking, I don't have a lot of rules, like, and, and this is, I know, unbelievably simple and, and there needs to be more at times, but like, be a good person, make good decisions hmm. and things are going to work out pretty well, right? You know, and I know it's so simple, right? And I know there's more to it, but like, it's hard to make good decisions all the time. Yeah. And, and as we, as we were just talking about, like, you know, a good decision you might think is like, I followed the rules, but I hurt that, that up by my coworkers feelings. Right. You know, right. right? Mm-hmm. Or, or something like that. Like, so was that the best decision? Yeah. Um, can you do both? Can you follow the rules and care for your fellow human being? Stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so it, it, I know, don't get me, the simplicity doesn't, I'm not blind to that, but I do think, um, I do think if you handle those two things pretty well, then for the most part, things are going to work out pretty. It's good. a pretty good starting place, if yeah. nothing else. Yeah, right. <laughs> like if you can get those things right, <laughs> yeah. You, what you build from, I mean, you could build just about anything from yeah. there. That's really interesting. The um, we we do that. We try to do that work as well. We have um, we created a very simple set of uh, I, we, we call it, it's our hierarchy we have five points and we try to always work in threes and fives as simple as we can and, and it's memorable um, and I'll just share with you our the the hierarchy within our weight room is safety community uh, character leadership and performance in that order and we have a rationale behind the whole thing one is like you they should be safe in our environment we should pr- try to, um, given the nature of our profession, predict the needs of their future environment and hopefully make them safe in that as well, as best we can. Sure. Um, it used to be character second. We moved community second because we were just like, if, if, you, if all we're doing is moving people through and they feel safe and they feel like they're part of this community, we've done something meaningful. And if you can layer on uh, character staples, growth mindset, grit, resilience, empathy, whatever it is that you decide to teach in your space, um, isn't that valuable? And then, and then, like we have the saying, like know the way, go the way, show the way. So once you've got all those pieces together, you start bringing all other people along with you. And then, of course, we want high-level performers. Sure. And the reason I'm excited to say that, and I'm looking at two 
ring boxes behind you that are full. Uh, it's not saying that you don't expect like the performance thing to be meaningful. Yeah, of course you do. You know, and, and we're lucky at the, you know, at the place that, you know, my day job, which I'm very grateful for. I mean, dude, we're, we've, I've had the privilege of working at this point more than 35 state and national championship teams, a handful of other like individual champions in their sports. We branched off and started a powerlifting team. We're, we're winning championships in that too. And like, and, and I, it sounds like bragging, but like at no point, and you can ask any, anyone who's been on our staff, any intern, the message will be the same. We've never moved that priority first. The, you know, and, and what we find, I, I sort of shine a light on all of that and on your ring boxes back there because if you f do it right, it's, the performance almost takes care of itself. And it's when the, you know, the, the instructors or the kids get distracted by that final point, point five, that, uh, that some of those other things potentially fall off. We were just talking about that this morning. Were you really? Team. So like, yeah. yeah, like you take care of um, you know the the day to day stuff. The, you know, focusing on the present, taking care of your your teammates, um, and you know, as I mentioned, we're we're reading that book together. Um, yeah. And and that was kind of part of the part of the this chapter is um, you know understand the process right and. Um, committing to that process and controlling what you control. And right. then with that, then the, the results are kind of, they're going to be there or they're not. And, and more often than, than not, they're, they're going to be there. For if, sure. If you're doing the other things right. If you're doing this. Yeah. And I think a big part of that, would you agree, is you've got to be willing. It, it, it's, you know, trust the process is a thing that is thrown out there. Yeah. Um, You've also got to trust the people who are developing the process. Yeah, that's right. you. It's gonna be a good process, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. Um, and and the people, yeah, I think it, it takes a lot of, um, especially in you know my world, um, you know the dynamics between everybody involved become really important. You yeah. know, um, we're we're relying on our head coach to guide the way right mm -hmm. and and set the tone and we all have to fill in our roles and and do that at a high level um and it takes you know we were talking about some of the coaches that i you know mm -hmm. previously and you know uh with coach painter here at purdue coach Fitz at northwestern and you know what they do really well and you know they trust people to do their job uh at a very high level right um and and you could see that in their process that they know what their their job is. They understand what everybody else's job is, but they don't do it for them, and they let mm. them do it at a very high level, and and they're getting good results, right? Yeah. Well, those who got <laughs> for sure. Um, and um, so, you know, it kind of goes back to a book, and, and that I'm sure you're familiar, Chop Wood, Carry Water, mm -hmm. which is all about the process, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what they do in, in this whole theoretical world of. Um, samurai archery that's right. training, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yep. they have to chop wood every day and carry water, right? Mm -hmm. It's just part of the process, and so, um, and then with that, the other things start developing, and so I think, um, you know, the weight room is just such a big piece of being part of that process, and um, it's really easy, I think, in my mind, to correlate the weight room to being very process driven because we could structure it and we could um, hold people hold our athletes accountable to what they're doing in here and yeah. um, and it takes away some of the 
becomes controllable if that makes sense yeah. right like i you know you get on the court you can't really control what the ref's going to do you can't mm-hmm. control what the other team's going to do but here a lot of it's very controllable so mm-hmm. um so when you get good buy-in i think it helps with them understanding how to value that process and hopefully get you know, like we said, they're likely going to get results if they do. Without question. Yeah. What do you do if someone is hesitant to buy in? Okay, so and yeah. let, let, this is yeah. a full circle moment because ultimately what I'm saying maybe is, as again, the author that I won't reference, so developing trust is essential. We get that. Yeah. How? Yeah. Um, that's deep work again, right? Yeah, like It is. Um, what is it? You know, trust takes years to earn and seconds to lose kind of thing, hmm. right? You know? Um, and I think some key points in developing trust um, is um, being authentic, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so doing doing what you say. Because the moment you say something and do something else, then you, you've already... It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. You've, already, you've already lost a little bit of trust, right? right? If you say we're going to train tomorrow at seven, and we start at seven ten, like, is that a small little break of trust? So interesting to the, to the kids that showed up on time, right? You know, you know, we wait for the kid that showed up late, and so did I lose trust with everybody else? <laughs> and and so little things, yeah, I think build up um, and developing that trusting relationship. Um, interesting. You know, don't smoke it's bad for you as you're as yeah, you're, right? Right. like um and don't don't be wrong like as a strength coach like yeah you should go train and but yet if i don't train then am i am i yeah breaking their trust right? do, you, do you ask i know you do do you do you ask your staff to train just sort of on that note um you know i think i've never had to ask them they just do That's it just, right yeah. they're much better at it than me like i <laughs> i try to keep up but i know i i certainly have to um we'll say i could train more right i do i do the minimal at this point in my life where i could stay healthy and move well and be happy with i'm at but you but you know what it feels like right yeah yeah Yeah. and and yeah i think that's something that's a great point like and i think um you know we, we worked with um quite a few people that came from texas a&m and um uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, uh, Rochelle Ellsworth, like, she, mm-hmm. you know, we had some of her former interns, and that, I mean, that's a big point for her where she like, you gotta know what that bar in your back feels mm-hmm. like before yeah. you go tell someone else to do it, right? It's true. And yeah. uh, and there's there's so much truth to that. Yeah. And um, and same thing from you know you know I do a lot of if I'm asking a kid to do some of these conditioning or you know, energy energy system development stuff like I'm, I'm typically gonna try it first because yeah. i want i want to know what it feels like to suck totally. for a little bit totally <laughs> you know yeah, without question <laughs> i just did that the other day by the way i just put i that matters man yeah. i was talking to a good friend of mine from college literally on the drive from indianapolis to here and we were talking about when that had happened in our lives literally this is first of all what a good indicator of what sort of life i lead like this is that's just like my casual conversation but yeah i i I have a very vivid memory and i certainly will not name names but i i remember um as a as a pretty young athlete doing something that was very hard and as i reflect back on it probably one of those running drills that was just let's just tire them out sort Mm -hmm. of thing there wasn't a ton of 
science behind yeah. it. It was not scientifically driven, yeah. to use your term. Um, but but someone who clearly, I'm not trying to judge, but someone who clearly had not done anything like this for many, 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 many years was sort of, was getting on us. And in, in, in a not super encouraging way, more yeah. like, you know, uh, uh, in a, in a, it wasn't in a very fun way. And, yeah. and I'll say this to any coaches who might say, well, whatever, I don't have the time to train. That's not for me. Here's what you're, you're pushing up against. We could not help but have a little bit of resentment. Yeah. You know, and you, For can, sure. you know, like, like you don't know what this feels like. And then ultimately it's a long way to get back to what you were talking about. Do, do you trust that person? Yeah. Do you trust them to guide you through this grueling thing? Do they, do they know what you're experiencing? Right. And, and so that's the thing. Like, are you breaking their trust by saying you could do this when it, how do you, you don't know if they could. Yeah. Or even worse, <laughs> oh. don't be a wuss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. like, yeah. yeah. Like going down the right. total negative path with that. Right. right? Um, so yeah, I think those, those trust moments are every day, right? Yeah. 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 Every, every moment. Day. Right. And, and so, um, so I've been really, and this is the word we were talking about earlier, really intentional about, um, that piece with my athletes is like explaining what we're doing. Um, you know, sometimes it'll be the beginning of the week. I'm like, this is what the week looks like. Um, oftentimes it's that day and I'll explain each piece of our training for that day and then as we go through it I, if we deviate I tell them why we deviated from it um, right and so it's like all right we're gonna do you know four sets of five and then be like all right we're gonna cut it at three sets because we don't look like we're moving as as efficiently as hmm. we should mm -hmm. right so that's why we do it. or we're gonna add a set because that first that first set wasn't uh, up to our expectation mm -hmm. in terms of the intensity that you picked or Something like that. And, and so like just really, um, once again, trying to, you know, not surprise them. Like I used to be in that, I used to live in that world like, oh, we're going to surprise them today, right? Like, yeah, yeah, You never know what you're going to get. And, you know, today might be an overtime day, right? And, hmm. and you maybe have moments like that. But I, I've veered away from that to um, hopefully paint a picture for the athlete so they know that what they're going to do that day they're capable of doing so mm -hmm. they could give a full effort in each of those areas. Interesting. Where, in, you know, we'll say 10, five, 10 years ago, you know, that element of surprise, I felt like an athlete would hold back hmm. because mm -hmm. like, of course, what's going to come, what, what do I have to save energy for? Um, and so I try to take that away and don't get me wrong, it's not perfect every day. Like a kid's still going to have their thoughts of what might be coming. Sure. Sure. Um, but I try to be pretty intentional about giving them a picture of what everything's going to be mm -hmm. and how to manage their, their energy and their focus for that day. Um, it, it's not successful all the time. <laughs> no, but I, it's such, it seems like such an interesting way to do it. Like, you know, it, it just, it, if you told me that I had 10 reps of bench press to do, I would select my intensity differently and I would be able to push fully instead of like, it's just human nature to sort of dip a toe in, in into the complete abyss. And I actually just, I, I was talking about this the other day as well, because really, if, if you talk about like, if you go really high level and talk about like, why is that encoded in us as humans? Well, because if you're just jumping into the abyss blindly, you only get to be wrong once, you know, so it's human nature to just sort of test and pull back. So 
if you've developed trust in, in part, I heard three big things. You tell me if I, I don't want to misquote you. I heard be authentic, follow through, or mm-hmm. and maybe that follow through and modeling kind of both fit together. Um, and in transparent communication, that means a lot. And the other important thing that you said, I think, was it's got to, you do, do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not like you're, you're good one day, then you're a jerk the rest of the week, yeah. you know? Consistency, right? I, I, yeah. If there's one thing that um, in the past two years I've really tried to work on is consistency. Like, because, um, yeah, we know, you know we've, we've been talking about this, like that process matters, right? And so if you don't have a consistent process, then. Mm-hmm you're probably not going to get consistent result. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something I I just identify as a weakness of mine. Hmm. And that's something I want to be prudent about of getting better at. Well, that's nice. That's, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I would say kind of that trust piece too. Uh, Sorry. I didn't, I wanted to finish that and I maybe lost track. Um, you know, when you, when you are transparent with your communication, you're also saying, I trust you mm-hmm. to do this well, right? You know, mm-hmm. like you're putting the trust into them that, all right, I told you everything that's going to happen today. I trust that you, you do it well, right? right? Right. You know, as opposed to, like you said, kind of holding back and trying to throw that surprise at them. Um, you know, if it's a good surprise, right? Uh, you know, that sure. people accept that, but like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to you know really emphasize that I trust that you're gonna do the work at at a yeah. high level. Yeah. Um, well, and then and I, I'm sorry if I threw you off, but yeah. the, that idea that you, you were mentioning, like the self awareness that it takes to um, say like some of these bits of consistency, that like maybe that was a weakness for me. Mm-hmm. And one thing that made me think of was if you are trying to adhere to a scientific process, like without consistency how accurate is the feedback yeah, you know right. like, what, what are what are you evaluating ultimately yeah. um and and you mentioned ray dalio yeah ago. like that was a big part of his principles um uh was the feedback was that feedback yeah. loop yeah, yeah, right yeah. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i can't remember it directly it's been years since i read that but i, I do remember like that kind of test you know, implement, retest, and then and then evaluate and back into the loop kind of thing. But one hundred percent. And now, okay, so you said you're. I've I've heard of his. Uh, I've I've engaged with his content like from afar. I got to read that book. Yeah, is what it comes down to. Yeah. Because I th- everything I've come across of his resonates with me, and a lot of people have compared some of the my approaches to that. So I think it's yeah. time. Yeah. Period. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. I got to think of it. Uh, because yeah, that's the only way. And um. Just sort of like a radical, judgment-free honesty is like this other thing. Like, honest about like, are you prioritizing well? Honest about like, your intentions? Honest about like, and, and, I, and I've said like, and judgment-free. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, you know what? Like, I, I've got a nephew. Sometimes when he kicks you, he wanted, like, his intention was, he, he's, he'll tell you like, you made me mad or something like that. He, he doesn't say that yet. He's actually one of the most wonderful people yeah. walking the planet. Uh, but you know what I mean? I'm, it, there's not even the suggestion. We, we talked about the difference between good and bad. Not even the suggestion that like there's an absolute right way to do anything. But to be honest about why you did things just gives you such better feedback. Like I didn't call this person back. Why? I didn't. I, I called this, you know, I was short with someone I love. Why? Yeah. You know, if you can start to... Yeah. 
be honest about those things. Well, I, certainly, like, yeah. both ways, too, right? Like, this is, this is, you know, prominent in my mind at the moment, too. It's like giving other people honest feedback, too, right? Yeah, totally. Which, like, I've been, once again, probably trying to be really diligent about is, like, avoiding the false praise. Like, hey, good yeah. job. But it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, and yeah. so in their mind, they're like, yeah, I'm doing a good job. Yeah, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. But they're not. And mm. so, like, um, you know, I think both of them are hard mm-hmm. because we want to, you know, depending on your personality, you typically want to be positive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing great. Keep it up. Or, like, and so I've been really trying to avoid those moments of, just speaking just to speak right and that yeah. and that's usually what comes out like good job good, good work job. Yeah, yeah right um so when i when i get those urges it's like pause right <laughs> like, right 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 what can i say that's more more practical more uh specific in what they're doing right like mm-hmm. you know if it's if it's a movement it's like you need to you know give them a little bit more instruction like, mm-hmm. you know you need yeah. to you need to hold this position you need to straighten out your your knee joint or you just you know whatever it could be that's a little bit more specific to Mm -hmm. make it better um rather than just filling the the space with good job right um but once again like that's that's really hard to do and then space that's good and then even like i said like you were talking about like to really self-evaluate and sometimes you tell yourself good job (laughs) wasn't a good job right right? right. you know and and like um Mm. being really critical about what you're doing um, is is hard, you know. It's, it's, it can be, yeah, yeah. You can beat yourself up about it. Um, well, well, you, okay. So, just to anyone who is listening to this, what you just said is such an important part of it. To be brutally honest with yourself also requires like forgiving yourself yeah. all the time. Yep. So I'm not I'm not suggesting beat yourself and not yeah. at all, right? But but what I have found at least is that like I remember. I'm gonna, I've never said this on, on the podcast before. I remember times, especially like in adolescence and stuff like that, where I just wasn't as honest as I should have been. And I'm, I'm feeling like yeah. I'm feeling something right now. You know what I mean? And and like and what and, and why and it was just I don't know why it was. I'd probably have to do some deep self analysis. Yeah. But like, but then you find yourself trying to cover up for yourself. Like you just you you just you are. And, and to be clear, this was not my standard operating procedure, mm-hmm. but like, okay, what if you tell like what you think is a white lie? You just get tangled in this, you, you uh, from, from the get go, um, don't feel good about it. Right. You just can't. And, and if you ever do feel really comfortable lying, then you got a, you got a different <laughs> conversation ahead of you, yeah. but you know, even if no one around you knows, you know that something didn't happen. And then, you know, if, if what matters are results in relationships, part of the relationship is, is based on a false premise and you get, and then you're in this like track covering mode. It, oh man, it's just, it's, it's poisonous internally. Right. I so hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I mean, I would, I would, I shouldn't say this. I've definitely had that experience, right? It's like, yeah, I could have handled that situation better. Right? right. I could have been more honest or transparent with it. Sure. Um, or I could have just stepped away. That might have been a better situation than sure. escalating it or something like that. Hmm. And um, and I think, yeah, it does. Like it really like, it's, it's weird, you know. And I think um, it's probably common for a lot of people. But you just you almost remember those moments more so than like the good stuff, right? It's like yeah, the failures, right? Yeah, like, 
even I, I think a lot of athletes have it as well where like they played a great game but they missed you know one shot or something like that maybe it was a game winning shot no doubt like everything else was great about the game but that's what they're gonna remember and I think the same thing sometimes with with these little moments where it's like I really could have behaved better in that situation I could have mm. made a more ethical choice um, and it eats you up a little yeah, yeah, it can. It can. But like you said, that forgiveness piece becomes but you, really right. important. You, gotta, you know, like, we're all imperfect you yeah. know, beings, right? And, yeah. And, you know, well, right. And, right. Yeah, and you just have to accept that you're going to fail as well. So, um, but yeah. as you said, fit was a fail better. Fail better. That's fail Samuel better. Beckett. Yeah. yeah. Fail better. And then and then I would push on Samuel Beckett, who was a linguist. In yeah. His own, like, like I said before, like, Let's stop calling it a failure. Yeah. All right, it's a learning process. Yeah. Um, it takes radical honesty. I just made a note, by the way. Radical honesty as emotional detox. Like thinking about the the, the poison of not being honest with yeah. oneself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna think hard about that. Can I can I share one? Last? I don't want to. Yeah. We we got to be at time here. You have a life and a family, and I'm just. <laughs> But uh, I, so this I, is too fun. To just like stop. Okay, right? good. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Okay, so I'm glad you said that. So I, I tell this to my athletes sometimes. Um, even this idea of like I gave my best, I tried my hardest. To me, like I don't say stuff like that. Um, in part because I don't think I've actually given my best and tried my hardest very often. You know what I mean? Like, and it sounds, and you know, the people who. People who I love who think maybe I'm being too hard on myself are, are maybe I don't think they can see my internal state. Like there's no self judgment there. Mm-hmm. I just know for a fact. So I played 16 seasons of football. I I been a competitive power lifter on a you know I'm not that freaking good, but but <laughs> but I've been competing. I've been trying. Yeah. Um, you know I I enjoy that sort of thing. I challenge myself regularly. I think there's legitimately there's probably one time as I reflect on my career as an athlete that I gave all I had, and I share this with my, you know, I'll, I'll give you the quick story here. I was a senior in high school. Uh, we were playing one of the top teams in the state. The year before we had beaten them uh, to win conference, they, uh, they ended up, my junior year, they went on to win state, but they lost conference to us. Okay. So going to junior year, we, you know, we were pretty good too. Going to junior year, they were pissed. And, um, and we played him at home on an incredibly foggy night in the fall. Um, so the atmosphere, I mean, you start, one of those things like you start to sweat and it's, it's, uh, it's coming out of you. Just the atmosphere was such that you were sweating hard and they were upset from what happened the year before. So, um, I'm playing both ways, you know, probably I was 240 pounds, probably too big to play both ways, but it, it is what it is. I'm sweating. I'm nearly toast. And they keep their starters in start to stop. They like they don't want to beat us by three points. They want to they want to beat us, beat us. So they threw like a hook and ladder at the end of the game to try to anyway. I'll, I'll separate podcast on what I think about this team. <laughs> but um, but at the end of that game, uh, I went to the shower and like couldn't get my pads off. Like I had to put the cold. I had to put water on me with pads. I was like something. It was different than anything I'd ever felt. I went home, tried to drink a Gatorade, but thought I was going to throw it up, laid down and like essentially passed out until my parents got home. Uh, they took me to the hospital. I, I'm being pushed around in a wheelchair with an IV in me. And they put me, you know, I went in to get a CAT scan to see if I had concussion or anything like that. 
and I'm and I'm I'm literally I got a tube in my arm in a wheelchair, a bucket in my lap that I'm puking into, uh, slightly purple because of the Gatorade, and like and that's the the back end of my Friday night. I don't mean to be too dramatic here, but like I think that time I gave about all I had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I but it, that but I but I haven't been back. I mean, so uh, can you do that out of? consistent basis no chance chance. can you go to the hospital every friday night you know i hope i hope i don't have to go through that in my life right yeah exactly Exactly. so So. um but yeah i would agree like i mean and i envy you that you have that moment because i'm like i'm thinking back and i'd have to probably think for a long time like when did i ever feel that that like that exhausted right right (laughs) you know that that you know, I don't know. And I'm sure you've been very, very tired many yeah, times. Very tired. Very, very right? sore many you know, yeah. all that stuff. There's definitely been like, you know, especially some Sunday morning. Like I played rugby in, in college and there'd be a Sunday morning where it's like, wow, everything hurts. Yeah. You oh, know, sure. Right? Everything sure. hurts, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you did a lot the day before, but like, I don't know if it, I've ever got to that point where it's like, no. I couldn't run another yard or I couldn't. You know, well, and I only bring that up. I, I do want to be careful yeah. when I say that. I'm not advocating that. I hope yeah. nobody listening. That doesn't make any sense to go to that place. But I say that only as a self-check because, like, why would I say I did everything I could when I hadn't? Yeah. It's to let myself off the hook in some way, even if it's my, even if I did a whole lot and I'm proud of my effort. Yeah. I just don't like using the term, I did everything I could. Because, right. no. Some honesty. Like, yeah. being truthful with yourself. Like that, yeah, that. Exactly. Radical honesty, right? Like, is it, especially if you're into linguistics, right? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't do everything. That's right, what I mean. You know? like, yeah. Like, and so. I could have done more. And then it just becomes a question of, did I, do I want to? Yeah. Next time I go into this, is it worth that extra effort? Or is this, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just. Uh, I think there's a, there's a great, uh, uh, what's a quote? Um, is it? And every situation, ask yourself what's the most you could do, rather than what's the least you could do, mm-hmm. and it'll open yourself up to a new, a new you, right? Mm. Um, but that is like, that is incredibly hard to do because mm-hmm. I think our natural human state is survival, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, what's the least I have to do here to survive, mm-hmm. rather right. like, what's the most I can do here to, to make this situation as best as possible, right? And, yeah, no question. Um, and I think about that quote often, but I live it very little. Really? <laughs> you know, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, and so that's, it goes to that, like, that guilt, right? And, and Well, I would imagine, is this true for you? Part of, um, again, I've got your pictures, your family in the background here. I mean... You you got to make sure that you always have reps in reserve. Sure, you know you yeah. got to have some energy to yeah. be an attentive yeah. father and husband. And for both, right? You know, like going home, it could be more exhausting than coming to work. You know, yeah, like, fair enough. You know, okay, like, fair enough. Talking yeah. to my wife, I'm, and you know, it's like I, you know, I've surely spent a, a couple days all day at home, and it's yeah. like that's exhausting. <laughs> you know, like, to have everybody in the same house. To have everybody in the same house, like you know, imagine. so we're at, we're at, you know. At the end of this year, we'll have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and two two-year-olds, right? Yeah. And so, like, my, you know, I'm talking to my wife, I'm like, when do you sit down? Like, yeah. you don't sit down all day, you mm. know? And mm. so at least when I come to work, I can at least sit at my computer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's a mental focus, right? But, like, sure. 
sometimes that physical the, the reprieve of paperwork yeah. so but there yeah like you said there's some it is challenging knowing that there's there's always that next thing that you have to get to so yeah. like how do you how do you do your most in every situation um it is it's really difficult uh, it, without question all right so i have to i've got three final questions for you okay and this is you could call this the lightning round. Let's think of it like a lightning yeah, round. So yeah. don't don't worry about saying the right thing. Just um, so one of the questions is, what is your favorite non-strength no 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 strength talk no athletics no nothing favorite thing to do in West Lafayette that is totally different from your job? Uh, my family, right? Like just be with them, exploring yeah. exploring Lafayette West Lafayette together. Like we'd love to go downtown, um, hit hit the parks. There's um, you know some hiking trails uh so the family is is you know exploring the town with them and, and being yeah. with my wife and um occasionally we could just do you know without the kids exploring it right great too, right? just a couple stuff but sure. um but yeah i think um yeah yeah i think just getting around west lafayette i think as it's a, a family i i but think seeing see the joy that your kids have in the like the little things is, is a lot of fun like Totally. Go to the train station and, you know, take a five-year-old, three-year-old boy to a train station. Like, that's, yeah. that's joy. There, For right? sure. You know? Would you, okay, so share with, with listeners, I, I think I was surprised the first time I came into town by how beautiful West Lafayette. I, it's, it's more rolling. I actually, I came yeah. through in, um, in fall one time. Mm-hmm. And it was a really pretty place, which you don't think of from like you know a Midwestern standpoint necessarily. It's and my wife and I talked about that too. So we both went to school here too, right? Right. right. So I mentioned I did. My wife went to school, and um, and when we came back, we're like, man, I just don't remember all these hills. Right. And maybe it's we were younger and we could handle better, but like sure. running around, you know, West Lafayette, Lafayette, and and biking, and it's like. Wow, there's there's hills here. There's right. definitely hills. And, oh yeah. Um, and it's not like you know my brother lives in Pennsylvania and certainly been traveling a bit. Uh, it's certainly not East Coast or West Coast type of terrain. But sure. Um, after being in Chicago for so long, there's literally almost zero elevation. Right. Like, it's true. You it's know, true. if you go for a run, you could run for a long time without ever. Oh like, yeah. Going up more than you know two feet of elevation so this now let's not turn this into a chicago bashing sure. podcast no I'm, just, I'm, ki- I'm joking i love chicago you know yeah that. yeah yeah i'm um, kidding i i because it's so funny i um i i defend chicago and i'm totally kidding of course but um man it is flat it's flat <laughs> it's very flat you get the lake you get the lake and and like there's a slight incline and and Evanston, like as you're coming up from the lake, but it, it is very slight. It's very flat. Yeah, it's very yeah. slight. <laughs> you know, so. no offense, Chicago. Yeah, to Chicago, we love you. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's we so love many you. great things about Chicago. The um, okay, I like. It. I think that's fair. I'm I'm gonna be interested in where those hiking trails are. By the way, yeah, there's um, um, there's some good ones. I well, believe it. We've we touched. I would say good ones. We we know one or two, but okay, we can manage with our family, right? <laughs> another right, another complicating factor. So that's carrying for me. That's carrying sixty pounds, you know. Of course, yeah. right? There's your weighted carrier <laughs> yeah, right there. Exactly. Um, all right, West Lafayette again. This is coming from someone who's been here as a professional and as a student. Um, best place for food, your favorite place to eat, and music, food and music. Food and food and music. So uh, our favorite food right now is Revolution Barbecue. Uh, it's a newer restaurant in, in downtown Lafayette. Um, 
uh, music, we haven't hit that too much right now. Like we're coming off COVID and, sure. and kids, so we were just at um, Taste of Tippecanoe. So that was like our oh, cool. first live music in like almost eighteen months. And very cool. and my wife are like, wow, this is amazing because we love. I mean, we love Chicago, and, and the big reason we love Chicago is the music, right? Sure, and, totally. Um, so um, and street fairs and things like that. Yeah, yeah. and so Taste of Tippecanoe was like. It felt like very much like a Chicago street fest. Yeah, you know, like this that. is great. You know, why don't they do this every week? <laughs> that counts. I like this. I, that counts. Yeah. Do they? Um, we have a huge stadium over here. Does that? Um, they don't play music in there. No, it's no purely, music. Yeah. It's all football. Yep, all football. It's um, unbelievable. Same thing with the basketball arena. No music in there. Um, no there's, there's a hallowed ground. There's a music hall on campus, Elliott Hall of Music, and. Every once in a while, they'll get a they'll get some artists coming through there, but otherwise, we're I, I would guess we would have to get down to Indianapolis. Like mm-hmm. I said, we haven't we've been through COVID here for yeah. You kind of came right at the eighty five percent of our time. So, right. and then um, you know prior to that, our twins were born about a month after we got here. So, hmm. yeah, we've been we've been in the house for a while. <laughs> you you came at maybe the perfectly wrong time for live music. Yeah. Just situationally. And that's fine. Yeah. All right, well, I'll investigate, but I'm sure there's good stuff. I like the tip canoe, um, the street, the street fair idea, the concept yeah. of food and drink and music and people outdoors and beautiful weather is a yeah. very appealing one. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So final question, I'm going to look for a little reflection. Um, advice to, and you can use like yourself as the example but advice to someone starting in the field. What are some things that you wish you would have known starting uh, that you now know? Um, you know, I'll go back to, this is obviously prominent in my mind, but like having that growth mindset, I mm. think changes, it, it changes your life in a lot of ways, right? You know, I think um, to always believe that you could be better the next day um, and try to and make that effort to be better the next day. Um, I think there's one, it's very self-fulfilling and, and satisfying and brings mm-hmm. joy for me, right? Um, and two, if I'm better the next day, then hopefully I'm making other people better too, mm-hmm. right? So it's giving too. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I think um, in this world, you know, if, if you could be, you could develop those deep, meaningful relationships and give of yourself um, through those. I think that's where you find a lot of joy. Um, yeah. And um, that's that's really important for me. Um, you know, I, I talked to my team a little bit about this too, like the difference between happiness and joy, right? Hmm. Um, you know, you, you might be happy because, uh, you know, we didn't have to lift today, but... Hmm. And the long run is that can bring you the joy of winning a championship or having succeeded because you put in all that work, right? Like mm-hmm. happiness in, in my mind is pretty um, focal and, and limited uh, where joy, you know, I think is a deeper kind of just lasting feeling that, um, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about too, like where you, you're, you're satisfied with the work you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I think as starting off into this field, if you could find moments where you could, um, you know, work towards that joy and, and understand how that you could get there for yourself. So what's that process for you to get to that joy? So 
Um, it's, and I think I rambled a little bit on that one. No, that's good, man. I, I that's think good. having that mindset uh, opens up a lot of opportunities for joy in one's life. That, that, and then there you go, and yeah. you just fully succinctly brought it home. Yeah. Having a growth mindset opens up the opportunity for joy. That's a powerful thing to say. I like that. Um, okay, well, so here's what I'll say. We could talk all day. Sure. And, and, uh, and, and I would say that um, just for the sake of the listener, maybe we, uh, I'll say this. You're, you're a, you have an open invite to talk shop in the podcast is not far from Chicago. Right, Obviously, right. happy to come out. We could do it via Zoom. Uh, plenty more that we could share and think through together. Uh, but for now, uh, just thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, seriously. Not just for being on, I mean this, and I hope you know them, mean this very sincerely, but like what you're doing for people, it was apparent from the first time that, that we saw you over at Northwestern. It's just, it's, it's just so refreshingly and clearly different and maybe it is sort of like colored by a little bit of joy i don't i don't know what yeah. it is but it, but what you're doing for young people is meaningful so thank you i appreciate that and I, I think there's i mean you say different but i think there's a lot of people doing some really good stuff in this in this field I think and, that's and i think that's um you know certainly trying to surround myself with those people on my staff here i certainly had that northwestern yeah. um and just kind of connecting with the community there's there's some strength coaches that are doing some really great stuff and um so that's i think one of the great things about this profession too so yeah i you yeah. couldn't have said it any better the the, the the strength coach community is a strong one yeah. and a special one and a growing one so um do you need business cards do you need flyers posters custom thank you notes or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level if so then you've got to see the good people at mighty printing they've got two locations one of them's up north in glencoe illinois the other is right in the heart of chicago on 180 west washington street they do most of the printing for the good athlete project and we just could not do our business without them They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.